Good evening, Sheilas, and welcome to Slow Motion Triple Feature, a podcast in which three friends watch three movies over the course of three weeks. Each month, a different friend will select a different triple feature for their friends to enjoy and discuss. Slow Motion Triple Feature is one of the many fine podcasts brought to you by the American Friend Institute. I'm your host, Mike Keller, and I am joined today by my good friends, Kit and Andrew. Tonight, we're finishing off Kit's Girls in White Dresses Triple Feature with 1975's Picnic at Hanging Rock, directed by Peter Weir. All right. Hey, everybody. Hey, Kit, would you like to uh, introduce the uh, the film for us? Why, why you chose this one? Sure. Well, not to toot my own horn, but I think this has turned out to be a fantastically cohesive <laughs> triple. It <laughs> like, really has. Yeah. Yeah. Like with movies good. from like, I think over like a 30 ish year period and just all, you know, by different people with like the same just refusal to answer questions really or tell you what's happening and all like you know flies on cake and shit like that flowers (laughs) playing Mm -hmm. a prominent role it just like they really do give me like the same for me it's like a cozy feeling because they're all so pretty um yeah but i suppose they're also all very disturbing um but yeah, I won. I'm I'm a big fan of Peter Weir. Um, I kind of wish he made more movies because he tends to do a pretty dang good job. I love Witness. We just rewatched Truman Show for my friend's birthday, and it's just like, what a perfect execution of a very tricky <laughs> premise. Um, and I think this movie, watching this, having just seen Truman Show. There is some overlap in partially, I think, in a willing. There's a kind of trust that his movies feel very mature to me. And I think he just like respects the audience a lot um, and just throws you in and expects you to swim in both this Mm -hmm. and in in Truman Show. Um, And there's a lot of like non expositional (laughs) storytelling. very and kind of setting an eerie tone through visuals that are ostensibly extremely beautiful (laughs) um which is like similar to truman show um and yeah i just i i I really like this movie um but i also would understand people hating this movie (laughs) but i and i also just i i like um Australian and New Zealand movies. Um, mm-hmm. Like it's a nice little incubator for talent over there. Mm-hmm. And obviously the things that break through to America like tend to be pretty good. Um, and yeah, I just think it's like an incredibly beautiful, visually beautiful and like uh, thematically <laughs> almost like endlessly rich uh, movie. Andrew, had you <clears throat> so Kit? I take it from that you had seen this before. Yes, a couple uh, at least once. Okay, mm-hmm. um, Andrew, had you seen this one before? No, I had never seen it. Ooh, okay. What did you think? Um, I I liked it. I did not. I don't think I liked it as much as the other two. Okay. Um, it felt a little more, a little rougher around the edges. Um, I, I mean, I did like it though. Um. I thought, I don't know. I don't know if I, th- I, I thought like 
the cinematography was beautiful, but like not all the like I don't know if I thought the movie itself was beautiful. Like, first of all, I think Hanging Rock seems like a terrible place for a picnic, <laughs> and just like I just I I I think. One thing that maybe maybe in its favor is that you get a sense of like how shitty uh living in a place like I think it establishes how inhospitable Australia is. That's a very nice image, Kit. That's a very nice image. Yes. You don't want to have I, a picnic there? I think that <laughs> I think most of the shots of Hanging Rock are like just dust and mm-hmm. dead twigs and that's that but this really nice picturesque uh forest at the base of it is very nice yes um but i think it does give it it does a a good job of giving a sense of like you have you know uh a, a group of imperials imperialists who uh have sort of taken over a space that maybe doesn't belong to them. At least that was my, one of my takeaways. Um, it, I think I had a, a little bit, it, it took me like until the last like 45 minutes of the movie to realize that this movie was basically like an anthology centered around uh, an event. So I was like kind of confused as to why we are sort of jumping perspectives. Um you're right. I think he 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 definitely uh, respects the audience. Maybe he respects uh, some members of the audience a little too much because there was times where I was like, "Who are these people and what are their relationships?" <laughs> I think I asked. I think Kit has also kind of corrupted me because I, I think I asked like to myself, like, "Wait, are these guys gay? Wait, are these ladies gay? <laughs> is everybody gay in this movie? Is nobody yeah. gay in this movie? I think chi- um, I think the movie is partially about how childhood or you know adolescence is very gay. I'm shocked to hear that kid thinks that about. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, right? <laughs> um, I mean, the opening, like one of the first scenes, is a girl telling another girl, "Hey, you're gonna have to learn how to fall in love with somebody else because I'm not gonna be here forever." Right, yeah. and then she and then, fucking disappears. <laughs> and then the two dudes who like who. Uh, you know, in the forest or whatever, just like the way, <laughs> the way he hands that bottle of uh, alcohol yes. over to the kid and like his like hesitation. And I'm just like, and just the way he drinks it. It's, it's, yeah, it's very gay, but it's like, <laughs> but at the same time, I'm like, but are these guys gay? I don't know, dude. And I also couldn't figure out, like, honestly, I'm just going to start asking questions. Like, okay, why does that like, did those two guys have any like um anything to do with the girl's disappearance? Does the movie not tell me that? And then also like why does he care so much about going back to Hanging Rock and looking for the girls? Couldn't figure that out. Maybe yeah. I missed something. Um and then I mean I guess I kind of liked the um you know how vague some of the some of it was i like the sound design you know there's almost like an eerie you know sci-fi mm-hmm. or horror angle which i think is i fun. love the the spooky theme the like crazy loud scary theme i love it mhm and i like the shot of the rocks where it's like oh that's a face um that must have just been like a very happy find um 
But uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of disorienting at times. There's just like it it, it engages in subplots that I don't feel like I un, I am totally following until way after I've already been thrown into it, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Um, I don't think that there is any like literal plot to this movie. Yeah. Yeah. I it is about disorienting you. Mm-hmm. Well, I, and that is successful. For I sure. can read you a long thing if you want. Yeah, let's do Let it. Let me, it's, if I may. Go, oh, of course, Mike. My take on it quick, and then we'll get into uh, some more. Um, so this is the second time I'd seen the movie. The first time I saw it, I was... I guess kind of underwhelmed because like, as we know, I'm a big like horror movie guy. This is one that's regularly pointed to as a very classy, but also very good kind of at least not, maybe not a horror movie, but like a scary or unnerving kind of film. Um, And so I think I was a little underwhelmed the first time I watched it, watching it the second time. I think I've kind of pulled together why it doesn't like click with me, even though I think it's a really well-made film and I do think it's good. Um, But so the, the the fact that there's no resolution to the central mystery, uh, that's not like that's fine. That can be fine with me in a story. But I think what bothers me about this movie, and I don't think this is even like I think that this is probably intentional, but the first 30 minutes of this movie are perfection. And like the whole like the setup, they go to the rock and then there's this strange thing thing that happens and then these girls disappear like that's such a good hook but then i feel like the survivors or not not you know not to say we actually know what happens to girls but the just the sort of like the people who are left behind who don't know what to do you know about anything like they don't know how how to fix this or anything like that we kind of like just the feeling of kind of hanging out with them for another it's like another almost hour and a half um it just never I get that it's supposed to kind of be unsettling and like you said, disorienting, but like I don't like it just I, I it doesn't it just doesn't work for me as a movie that by the time it's over, I feel not even like I need the story to be wrapped up tidily, but I just it doesn't like nothing nothing it's like why does it end here instead of right you know yeah anywhere. you don't feel satiated. I think I get that. You yeah, know, I was, That's as you were talking, I was thinking of point. What? There's no release. It's just, sure. They're just that's, like that's the, edging that's, you to the <laughs> to the end of the movie, and then you're you're it's gone. That's the thing. It's it's like I I, I feel like I can see how that would be the point, but then I also it's like, well, I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> I um, bet you don't. And you're, and, and you're not supposed to like it. You know, it's right. it's not like you said. It's not supposed to be satisfying. So it's like I don't know quite how to. It's like I can say that this is a very good movie. It's very well made. Um, I like a ton about it, but then yes, it's, if, if you make a movie, it's like, I'm going to make a very good movie that is deliberately unsatisfying then commission accomplished. Like it, you know, <laughs> I'm not satisfied. Um, so yeah, those are my thoughts, but you were, you were going to read something. Yeah, but it's too long. I think it's really good, okay. but it's too long, but I'm going to try and paraphrase okay. it. Yeah. So from its okay. beginning, Picnic is about watching, looking, about the about the gaze itself. The film opens with shots of the schoolgirls all peeping at one another through mirrors, doorways, and we through the camera's voyeuristic intrusion into their toilets. Their private worlds are peeping with them. Um, in the repressive atmosphere of Appleyard, young female flesh is to be hidden, contained, and concealed only at Hanging Rock, unleashing as it does a mysterious eruptive energy. Like they talk about like the lava like that's like surging up from the rock. Um 
are do the hats and gloves come off? Are the even the stockings unrolled? Um, from the opening shots of the landscape, a larger sense of someone else watching, hanging rockets, self watching, a godlike gaze from above. The characters gaze up at it, and we feel it gazing down at them too. Um, so then they, this person talks about how it's you know delicious, deliciously Freudian, you know, and again we have bugs on cake and flowers and shit uh, being a part of that, like per our discussion <laughs> last week. Um, uh. Reading the film this way, one can see the bolder girls aroused by the pagan pleasures of passing valentines and in far deeper registers by the wilderness and wildness and eruptive lore associated with Hanging Rock as eager to pass through innocence and into adult sexuality. It is a great and perilous passage to a place that they long to go. Others like Edith fear to go are not equipped to go, but from which they can there can be no return. Um to make this to make the journey the film hints that one uh, must need to leave behind the same sex passions of adolescence as Miranda gently warns her devoted roommate, Sarah. Um, uh, if for the, if for many of the girls, the rock seems to whisper tantalizingly of the secrets of sexuality, it is no less meaningful as symbol to the adult characters. It is telling that the old maid, Miss McCross, or the rock may seem old, but is quite young, geologically speaking, and bears the promise of sexual release with lava forced up from deep down below. Um, so all the other adult women are like obsessed with it too. Um, the rock refuses singular interpretation and thus is open to all, to our own imaginative longings and fears. For those who might see it as a Lovecraftian horrorscape, Weir summons ominous music, employs shrieks and screams to heighten our fears, and even crosscuts between shots of the rock and slasher movie images of a gleaming knife splitting a heart-shaped cake in two as part of the picnic tea. Similarly, for those who might see the rock as a symbol of the colonized other, Weir repeatedly returns, both visually and through dialogue, where they're going without their shoes to the ideas that the girls are ascending or descending into a kind of primitivism, removing their garments and moving as though hypnotically lured into a place sacred and foreign, foreign and dangerous. If The Rock is the film's most obvious Blake canvas, it is Miranda who proves just as powerful a cipher. She is the object of the projection and fantasies of nearly all the characters, from Mademoiselle de Poitiers, who dubs her a Botticelli angel, to Michael, the lovesick young gentleman who, in true Victorian fashion, finds, more appeal finds her more appealing as an unattainable, possible dead vision or symbol than as a full-blooded woman so yeah there's a lot more that's really interesting here but that the movie is kind of about the projection of fantasy onto very onto girls onto nature um and you know the opening quote which is modified slightly to say a dream within a dream i think the movie is you know inviting us to project our fantasies onto it and in not giving us a clear, you know, narrative, a clear literal narrative or ending mm -hmm. remains open for like, you know, anything you want to put onto it, which is why I do. I can easily see people watching this and hating it <laughs> because it doesn't give you any clear answers but i mean yeah. obviously for me i think the most sort of the, the like clearest through line is the like sexuality angle which like particularly comes to head with the return of the one girl in her big red cape and all those girls like s screaming at her to explain to them what why she's different now um mm -hmm. and her refusing to tell them anyway who was that from that bit that you read 
That or what is was it from? from the Criterion Collection. It's by Megan Abbott. Oh, okay. Interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, what do I have to say about this that we haven't said? I'm thinking that this might be a short episode. <laughs> it could. And it's really, it's not, I mean, it's like I said, I don't think that this is a bad movie by any stretch. I think this is a movie that people should see, but it's not yeah, one that, that, what's that? I agree with that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very well made. Um, it's very well done. It's, I think, I mean, yeah, like that, if, if part of the mission of the film is to have you kind of fill in the blank with what does this mean to you, you know, which is nice. Like that's, you know, uh, dream interpretation or, uh, you know, academics like stuff like that. Cause then you can kind of put anything, you know, in there and write an essay about it and, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, but yeah, I mean, for me, what do I, what do I put into this? Like, this was like, unlike, uh, the innocence where I told you guys, Mm -hmm. like, I I can see it, but as I watched the innocence, I did not, excuse me uh like think like oh this is a lot of repressed sexuality like i was just kind of like oh spooky ghosts um but like with this one i definitely i feel the like erotic uh but still like suppressed or i don't know uh constrained like sexuality and like you can see like i can see the you know the lesbian themes or like the gay uh kind of uh not theme but like the uh you know the gay potential between the two men and just kind of like you were saying when they're passing that bottle back and forth or or then with the girls like the girl who very clearly is in love with uh, miranda i think the the brunette who stays behind is really in love with the girl uh who goes and disappears so it's like i see all that there um but like all i can think like you know and i'm not even trying to be funny like when i'm thinking like well what's going on with this rock it's like i start to think about like the conspiracy theories that i watch on like youtube or whatever about like the hollow earth mm-hmm. and like the yeah. nazis going under the under you know up through antarctica oh and down, I th- you know i i thought this was a uh true story and yeah googled uh hanging rock disappearance theories because yeah. i was like i don't think this is i don't think this movie is gonna tell me what happened to these ladies so <laughs> and then I that's, know. An inter- yeah. that's an interesting aspect that like um that they like that's another i mean it's another truman show connection where i think peter weird tries to enhance like he adds that like chiron at the beginning that's like telling yeah. you uh, this really mm-hmm. happened, really makes you believe it's a true story. Mm-hmm. Well, and from what I read, the, the novel does that too. It it positions itself as recounting a true, you know, based on true events, which it's not. Uh, but yeah, and I haven't read the book. Um, but yeah, but I like that too, because I think that makes it work better as a dream. Because whenever you're in a dream, the idea, like the way you perceive it as like, as if, if this is real, unless I know some people, I guess, have like... Um, whatever they call that lucid dreams where they know that they're dreaming or whatever. But like when you're in a dream and like your desk catches on fire and you run out and you're not wearing any pants or whatever, like th- that is what's real to you until you wake up, you know, like later we're able to look into the film, learn, okay, that's not actually based on real events. So yeah, I think it's, it's a good, uh, it's a clever way to like pull you into the reality of the movie as if you'd be pulled into the reality of a dream. And then the movie, again, like with dreams, like when you interpret a dream, you read onto it, you're, you know, your waking mind reads onto it, what your 
what it wants, uh, whether or not that that's what the dream, you know, was, you know, trying to tell you, so to speak, or just what the dream actually contained or anything. So yeah, again, I think it's, it's cool. <laughs> it's, it's smart, but, uh, but yeah, it's just like when the, when the film is over, I'm still kind of a little like, I, I just want like a monster to like peek out from like the shadows and the rocks and be like, it was me. And then, then the credits roll or something. <laughs> it like was that. me all along. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I think for me, maybe I was trying a little bit too hard to follow a, to assign like a traditional narrative because it sort of sets itself up as like a, possibly like a true crime, um, you know, sort of thing. Um, but I think like once we get through the, the potentially gay boys, um, like story, and then we're back on the, the college and the, the headmistress and the, uh, orphan girl. Um, it's just like, I'm, I'm, I think I'm just looking for connections. Like, wait, why why are we focused on these people? What does this have to do with the disappearance? And I think it has everything to do with the disappearance, but it takes it took me until the last maybe 10 minutes of the movie when the headmistress is talking about the teacher who went missing. Mm-hmm. And it sort of feels like maybe that was sort of her, you know, that was her sort of anchor, um, or she was. Um, but it just, I think, I think I just didn't, I think my problem is that I didn't know what this movie was until it was too late. That's what I think. Um, I'll watch it again. I mean, I own it, so got to watch it again eventually. Um, <laughs> Did yeah. you get the version that came with the book? Yeah, yeah. I, I just, okay. I, I didn't have time to open it. Yeah. I'd be interested to read the book one of these days, I suppose. Compare it, but. Um, what else do I have here in my notes? Okay. I thought uh, while watching this, like I, the, the first time I watched it as well, I, the Virgin Suicides takes a lot from this movie. Um, yes. If you've yes. ever seen that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Also yeah. the leftovers. I've never seen the leftovers. The TV show. It is. Yeah. Um, it is actually, it is quite shocking how similar these, these really? two things are. Yeah. I mean, the leftovers is a show about something that may or may not be the rapture. And okay. it's about the people who got left behind, but it it is a show that is not at all concerned with explaining what actually happened. And I think it very, very skillfully reaches. It's not a long show. either. There's only three seasons and they're sh- short seasons, but um, mm. it is a show that I think. Reaches a level of satisfaction for the audience, like emotionally without um, without ever really tipping its hand. Um, so I think it's, I think it's, it's very similar though. I mean, it's like a disappearance and it's, uh, it's more of a meditation on grief, I think. Um, but, um, yeah, it, it reminded me of a lot of this. In fact, the last season of it takes place in Australia. So interesting. Yeah. Great show. Yeah. Yeah. And with Virgin Suicides, it's been a while since I have watched that, but I remember, I don't remember if it opens with narration from a, from the it's it's the the one of the boys in the film who who witnesses the Lisbon girls and like watches them from afar. Uh, and then I think it also kind of closes with his narration like this film closes with uh, 
I guess it's supposed to be kind of like a news anchor or somebody, you know, yeah. kind of saying like these were the events that happened. And, you know, it's actually that's in another way. It's it's also very uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which came yes, out the year before this. I was just thinking this. that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, but then, I mean, also just all of the like the young, beautiful girls with their long hair and like, you know, it's just like Sofia Coppola must be a fan of this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, but, she also uh, did that Civil War the beguiled, yeah. The beguiled, yeah. Is similar which I as haven't well. seen that one. Me neither. Yeah, I'd like to watch that. Yeah, I don't really like out. her movies, but The Virgin Suicides is good. Yeah, Virgin Suicides. Yeah, I like. Yeah, I like a couple of them, but I haven't. I don't even know if I've seen some of the stuff she's done lately. But but yeah, that was another uh, one. Her of my most notes. recent movie is I I keep I keep plugging it, but you should. Watch what is that. it? Uh, on the Rocks. I think it's really good. Okay. Oh yeah. Um, that was on my list. list. Um, I really liked the, 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 the sort of horror, um, the horror stuff. I liked the, uh, I liked the end, the, 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 like, ending a lot. Um, mm-hmm. it was, I thought it was really scary and mm-hmm. it made me want, like, it made me go back and kind of, like, rethink the last few scenes of the movie. Cause I'm like, did that, did the headmistress lady, did she know that the girl had committed suicide by the time she told the teacher that, she she had already left and reminded me so much of hereditary mike Hmm. when the kid accidentally kills his sister and just drives home and goes to bed yeah with his sister's body that's interesting yeah because why would she i guess yeah why would you think she had left right she didn't like pack up and get rid of all her stuff before she killed herself that is i didn't even think about that yeah yeah and and i and i you know i was super it was so unnerving, um, just like her telling her, you know, er, her telling her she was going to go back to the orphanage and the little girl and I'm and she starts smiling and I'm thinking, oh, does she like hate the school or something? <laughs> so I'm like trying to understand all that and then thinking about her, her earlier reactions to, you know, not being able to continue school. Um, and then uh, and then, yeah, the reveal of her suicide, I thought was really like I want to see that 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 could be a movie. You know, just the story of this poor girl trying to go to college. Um, but yeah, I thought that that sh- like her at the end in her office, just like all of her bags are packed and she's just like wearing like funeral garb is. Yeah, is is great. Is great. Yeah, and I actually like the um, the just the little like news anchor button just being like and then this woman threw herself from a rock. And it's like, all right. So, <laughs> um, you know, and I, actually, I kind of. I I can't remember how long ago I saw this, but I remembered that that girl who killed herself, I forgot that she killed herself. And the way I had it in my memory was that she wound up working for the school to pay off her debt. And I don't know what other movie I mixed it up with. Hmm. Yeah. I was expecting that. A little princess. Maybe. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, honestly, yeah. Yeah. Cause I I thought that's what the, the, I I was in while I was watching it, I was like, Oh, that's going to be the next thing she says is that you can you can be an employee here because I've yeah. just lost some of my employees. So, yeah, exactly. And so that movie, kind of surprised yeah. me. Uh, it was really this. surprising. Um, funny. I also I thought the 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 image of the girls turning their back on their friend and just like disappearing into the rocks. Yeah, um, with mm-hmm. the sound design. Although really, she terrifying. was very dumpy. To be fair, so. yeah, super dumpy. That was was, was that um Jackie Weaver. No, Jackie Weaver was the maid. Oh, okay. Yeah, she's great. Uh, but uh, I did want to take a minute to plug Jackie Weaver, who is 
lovely and um i did not know she existed before 2010 yeah um but she's, very, she's in like nebraska she she kind of okay. had like a comeback from that movie no um, she had a come well she she had a comeback in uh from the uh australian movie animal kingdom which is okay. a david michaud movie um and she's excellent she she had done a lot of stuff in like the 60s and 70s and into the 80s and then she stopped acting in the late 90s and then oh okay and then started her career up in the late 2000 early 2000s and then animal kingdom came out and i feel like from there she's she was kind of everywhere for a while and now she's i mean she's still in tons of stuff but like she became like a household name for like a few years like she was in that and then she did um Silver Linings Playbook was a big one. She was like, uh, hmm. who's the lady from, uh, oh gosh, what's her name? The lady from Frozen River and um, The Fighter. Oh, yeah. You know I'm talking about? Yeah, she I know won an about, Oscar. I can't her name. Yes. What is her name? Her uh, name is. I'm going to find it. It. It's a race. Melissa Leo. Melissa Leo, go. yeah, I feel like she's kind of like a Melissa Leo, where it's just like an an older, an older actress who just like all of a sudden becomes you know mm-hmm. kind of big and then just becomes perennial. Um, anyway, Jackie Weaver, great actress. Looks like she's in Father Stew and Yellowstone, which I haven't seen either of those. Yeah, guys. I haven't seen Father Stew, but uh, I thought. Yeah. I mean, I think all the performances in this are like the girls were really good. I find. Yeah, I mean, I sure. think that the annoying like girl who's just constantly eating. Like, I mean, that was a little unfortunate. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think they really treated her very well. And of course, like the last really pretty I know. shot in the movie <laughs> is just panning through all these people, all these young girls having a delightful picnic, and then it just like it ends on the the. Uh, <laughs> the the overweight one eating and it's I think just yeah. like she's a, that's like, not <laughs> she's an important character it's yes. just like why does she have to be so annoying like you know yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> but and i love one of my favorite shots is where the the kind of like effete impotent english boy um is being loaded into the carriage and he hands he like shakes the hand of the australian kid and gives mm-hmm. him the lace and then when he opens his hand and the like it go the camera goes from the lace in his hand to like blurrily panning quickly over the landscape to him like halfway up the hill to the rock it's it's so cool (laughs) it's such a bizarre thing to do yeah yeah it is it is um yeah they're they're i couldn't that their whole storyline was like really interesting and also confusing um uh yeah i I couldn't quite i couldn't quite understand the um the english boys like he seemed like he was guilty or he felt guilty um or he felt some like responsibility Mm -hmm. uh as but i didn't i couldn't i couldn't you know i couldn't trace it i think it is open for you to read it literally as like I don't know they fucked those girls I don't think that's what happened I think I don't think so either that he feels guilty because he's like a Victorian English boy who was lusting after them and then they died see and I don't know if I would say but I don't know if he he was lusting after them either was he yes 
I think he a, was. Yeah, in a, I think in a very least... like Victorian way. Yes. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Imagine Chase, them to be swans and things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, like uh, for me, it was just like it's like um, the remember that episode of Pete and Pete where he hears the song. Yeah. Uh, and they're the band playing in the garage, and then yes. he like he like goes back and the band's not there anymore and he's like losing it so he's just he's obsessed with yeah. them. he saw this beautiful beautiful girl and then she's disappeared and so it's i don't even know if it's like i like i would not say he felt guilty it's just like he has to find her he has and, to know but what i also and, i also think it's like he he is so weak <laughs> compared to his friend so like ill-suited to this environment and there's yeah. something kind of that this is his opportunity maybe to like be heroic. And he obviously he's I mean, I guess he fails, but also succeed. He, you know, is directly responsible for them finding one of the girls. So he kind of he kind of True. accomplishes it. But he's being he's, he looks like such a little boy when they're like loading him into that <laughs> to that carriage. And his friend is yeah. comparatively so capable um, and like fits where he is um so yeah i think there are a lot of things playing playing into his decision to <laughs> insist that yeah. they go back out there yeah it's also well, so, like oh go ahead i was gonna say it's also like very unnerving how this pretty incapable little boy is able to find uh one of the girls but you know all of the mm -hmm. search parties are you know come up fruitless yeah so yeah. That exactly that thing. Are you guys familiar with all of the stuff about the national parks in the United States? Yeah, that, that people, people disappear go missing? there all the time. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, and so it's like that happens a lot where really? um, somebody, anybody, I mean, goes missing in just the weirdest of circumstances or the most expected of circumstances. But they go missing. They completely comb all of the area, and then six months later, somebody finds a hat and shoes that are in like the most obvious spot that they absolutely would have seen when they were doing the search, but they just, they mm -hmm. find them. They don't, they don't find the body. They don't find a skeleton. They find a hat and shoes. And so it's just like, and, and there's like hundreds of cases and like, you know, cumulative cumulatively, there's like thousands of cases of this happening in national parks, like across just the United States. I have no idea about the rest of the world. Yeah. Um, but as a, as I mentioned earlier, I read a lot of conspiracy stuff. I watch a lot of just that kind of stuff like paranormal or whatever. Um, and uh, so, yeah, that was like another thing that was very like this story. And I, I another reason I'd like to read the book is that this story is almost like um, not archetypal, but it's very like um, it's like an urban legend that is still, mm -hmm. I guess not an urban legend. It's a national park legend uh, that still like <laughs> has appeal to people and it still seems to occur. And like, some of them aren't even like made up stories. Like some of them are like you watch like an unsolved mysteries episode or like a dateline, mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, something like this happens in a national park. So yeah, there's also that element where this feels like a mythological or like mm -hmm. common human kind of yeah. experience. Well, I, mean, or... I, I look at it like, I think that that's definitely the case. And I, I, I sort of, I think like another big theme of this movie is like chaos versus order. And, yeah. you know, the school and the clothes and this place, like, really trying hard to control <laughs> these girls. And then not in a, like, nefarious way even, but just, like, we're coming out to this 
this we're building this one little patch where things have things make sense and then as the moment we leave it we're in terrible danger right. and i think <laughs> there is people like i look at those conspiracy theories like i'm interested in that kind of stuff as well and like disappearances and things but mm-hmm. we so we're so incapable of fathom- fathoming or like reckoning with how easily nature can just kill us yes like yes you go I think about this all the time like you go out somewhere one thing goes wrong. i mean my friends have this long story of where they went on a trip together and you know they got fully and completely lost and if not for basically someone wandering by them who could help them get back on the path like they couldn't there was nothing they could do yeah um and i think when people like this whole like oh thousands of people go missing in national parks and like instead of saying like yeah uh nature is formidable and like we don't know what we're doing when we go out there we're like well it must be like monsters or (laughs) aliens or something because surely i'm not that vulnerable you know um it just feels so mysterious uh to us that anything would still have such power over us when we're like the top of the food chain and can which do is, so much which is pretty it's pretty wild that we still think this way um i i we went to iceland a few years ago and i remember everywhere we went there were just stories about stupid tourists doing stupid things and not listening to the people who live there and saying like don't fuck around don't don't mm-hmm. take a single step off uh, off off the path. Like there was one story somebody told us about how they had like a, a just like a walking tour like that took them down to one of the black sand beaches. And this lady from who knows where United States was just like, you know, I'm going to take a swim. And just like gets down to her, you know, underwear and starts wading into the ocean. And they had to like send people in after her to be like, no, you will die if you go any further. Yeah. Um, and we hear stories. I had a friend who, um, who was like on a, just, they was with some people who had a Jeep and they were like, oh, let's, let's go over there. Let's drive off the road and go over there. And they like all almost died just like a hundred meters off the road. Um, And even in this movie, like they're talking about snakes. They reference snakes, I think, two or three times before these little girls take off their shoes and just start like clamoring around mm-hmm. these rocks with, you know, holes in them and shit, just waiting for a snake to, to spring out. So there's definitely, there's definitely, I think, a big part of this movie is just like hubris, mm-hmm. um, which is, yeah, apparently um, still a very, uh, pertinent topic (laughs) yeah i just linked you guys to one of my favorite blogs it's like from like old internet days um Mm -hmm. otherhand.org i've probably shared it with you before but he has a he's like a semi like amateur semi-professional search and rescue guy and he uh goes out into inhospitable places in the u.s and tries to find certain things that other people haven't found and one of my favorite stories is the hunt for the death valley germans where he tries to find this german family that uh got lost in the desert and was never found oh my Um, gosh and it's incredibly it's incredibly long the other one the plane one is also good where he's trying to find a, a a famous plane that crashed um this sounds cool 
It's so it's it such an ing- I think it's such an engrossing read. It's so exciting. It's so much better than John Krakauer to me, who I just don't like. Uh, <laughs> but it's this guy's great. You don't like John Krakauer? No, I really hated uh, Into Thin Air. Oh, except, I love that book. I, yeah, we read it in high school. and I despised it, but it did have one of the funniest, one of my favorite jokes, where like one of the characters says. If we had some ham, we could have ham and eggs. If we had some eggs, I, <laughs> I think about that all the time. All right. Well, um, let's see here. That's pretty much what I've got. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't have a ton either. Uh, I feel a little bad, but um, like I, I liked. I liked this movie. Uh, I don't. I don't think I. I think I just I, I feel like it was just always a step ahead of me, which, you know, that happens a lot in my life. So it's not really <laughs> a dig. It's not really a dig on the movie. Um, We're used to that feeling. Yeah, that's OK. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I liked, I, you know, I, as I said, I liked the horror aspects. I agree. I think all the performances were good. I still think that Hanging Rock place is a piece of shit. I would ne- I would not want to go there. Uh, I totally dirty. Would look dirty and hot and there's definitely snakes so and all those rock formations look like penises and vaginas that's true i did notice i there was one that looked so much like a vagina and like the (laughs) camera just kind of like slowly pans up it uh that was a good one um (laughs) yeah and also it's just like i was thinking about it too like they did a good job of you know creating like no real which usually this is a bad thing but like in this movie it worked there's no like geographical awareness really i mean you understand when you're kind of like at the base of it versus you know at the top of it or whatever but it's like they have that one Mm -hmm. really wide establishing shot at the very beginning of the movie and then there's a couple of like medium wides but for the most part you don't i don't think you have like a sense of really where you're at most of the time um yeah, and that true. makes it creep that makes it creepy and it makes it unnerving because you're kind of always trying to figure it out, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I like that is like kind of we've brushed on it, but or brushed against it, but like how much this movie allows you to bring your own stuff to it. And mm-hmm. like that's cool. But I apparently am not bringing enough of my own interesting <laughs> stuff to it to make me like completely enraptured with this film. Yeah. So that's, you know, I'm willing to admit it's more on me than on the movie. You know, you know what else, you know what other Australian movie it reminded me of? Um, Weekend Fright? M- no, Long Weekend. Oh. oh yeah. We watched that for the, like for a the, long time ago. Long time ago. Yeah. yeah. So um, that's, I mean, that was, you know, probably a, like a trashier version of this. Um, yeah. but it just kind of, it kind of reminded me of, of, of that. Cause that is also a movie that doesn't have like clear, you know, indications of what exactly is happening. I think there even is like a monster, but you don't really know what it is or if it's even a monster, it's just like a thing. Um, yeah. and yeah, I just remember that being like very much about, you know, people kind of invading nature's space without fully appreciating it. Yeah. Yeah. I've totally forgotten about anything in that movie other than the the couple is like constantly like at each other's throats. Yeah. That's a good movie. They hate each other. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. And Australia is like also like we had a unit in third grade where we really went in depth on like the geography and the animals. 
And uh, so I've always been kind of fascinated by Australia. It seems like it must be a very rough uh, terrain and lots I, of very mean creatures. I really want to go, but I'm like, and the, like the things that I would want to do too would involve like finding some stretch of like the outback to like drive through for a day. But I'm yeah. also very scared. Legitimately, yeah. I'm scared. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's it's a not, lot of like horror I won't from be Australia. Going there. Yeah. yeah. I think I'd probably go to, I'd probably. I if I were to go, I would have to like pitch it to my wife as like a vacation to New Zealand. Yeah, that oh, yeah. that I'll do. Hey, Denise it's, and I can stay in New Zealand. You guys, yeah. go to Australia. <laughs> hey, New Zealand's great. It's number one country on earth, most free country in the world. Oh, there you go. Best um, music and best music apparently. It does. <laughs> and they have all the best hobbits. And Jane Campion. That's true. See, that's and the Jane thing Campion's though. There. If we go to New Zealand, Lee's whole thing is going to be doing Hobbit stuff, and I'm not interested. You wouldn't... Uh, first of all, I'm not really interested in doing Hobbit stuff either, and I don't really even know what the Hobbit stuff is. If it's if it's go on a drive and see, like, beautiful... I think it's... it's uh, you look at the set, oh, like, they, they have, like, the buildings and stuff built in. There's a whole you, Lindsay you Ellis video about it. You wouldn't go to, like... You wouldn't go to, like, The Shire... And like, no, I so a, don't like it. You don't think it looks pretty? You don't think it'd be cool to I've be like just sitting? I've never seen it. I think that's okay. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> no, I just think it's like an incredible thing that they built. Like I'd rather they just built like this see, little town see sheep and stuff. What's that? I'd rather see like sheep and stuff. I bet you there are sheep at the Shire. Are there? Wouldn't they be too big Shh. for the hobbits? No, what do you talking The hobbits are, <laughs> are there small the sheep. No, that establishes a sense of scale. Do they ride them like horses? <laughs> I mean, that would be sick. Can you imagine? <laughs> See, I'm already out Tolkien-ing Tolkien, and I don't even know his shit. <laughs> You've never read Lord of the Rings? I read The Hobbit. I tried to read. I hated it. And then for some reason, I tried to le- read Lord of the Rings, probably because I'd read Harry Potter, and I was like, well, other they like oh. this, too. And I truly, <laughs> I don't think I made it through the first chapter. I was like, I hate this. I just don't like high fantasy usually. Yeah, that's fair. That's fine. I like low fantasy. It's the best. Conan. Even... Actually, Conan's probably. I don't know. It's what probably the diff- low the fantasy, but it's also the best fantasy. So. What's the difference? Like Harry Potter, like mm-hmm. takes place in our world, and is, you know. So since since you've opened the door, I got low some fantasy or intrusion fantasy is a subgenre of fantasy fiction in which magical events intrude on an otherwise normal world. That's okay. actually the definition of low fantasy. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Okay, I just thought you meant like low class. No. So I was thinking, but Conan I like would that too. Not be like for the hoity-toity types, but it is so, the best. So, so I, I got a Harry Potter question. Okay. Well, should we wrap the episode and then we can talk? Because we've no, we're going to keep only... talking. Yeah. About fantasy movies? I got a lot of movie. I got some movie things to raise with you guys. A couple. Okay. All right. Okay. okay. Let's go for it. Go ahead. Uh, quick Harry Potter question. So, okay. uh, for for context, I just read all the Harry Potter books and watched all the movies. So in the books, it's established that we're in the '90s. Yes. Right. Um, and then in the movies, I don't. I mean, I think you could argue that it does the same just without ever explicitly saying it, except yeah. in the last 
or second to last movie maybe when they go to Godric's Hollow and see his parents' grave and see that his parents died in 1981. Yeah, that's a good. Are their clothes, because they wear regular kid clothes in the later movies, are those 1990s kids' clothes? No, certainly. I mean, Harry wears a lot of big t-shirts and stuff yeah. that could and pass. And he wears like button downs. Like he but, wears, he kind of, he kind of looks like a, um, you know, like a, like kind of a preppy kid, but like a poor preppy kid. Mm-hmm. And then like, but then I was especially thinking of like Hermione. She in does not. The, she looks very like early 2000s. 2000s, right. Yeah. Which also just side comment, her outfits get a little bit better, but her wardrobe for the third movie is so sad to me it's just like she's wearing like low and pink sweatshirt i like that rainbow belt and then she has no not that i'm like staring at a 13 year old's ass but like they put her in low cut jeans and then have like these she has no ass and so they just don't like sit right on her bot. I felt horrible for her. I she don't think, awful. yeah, I don't like her. I Her wardrobe in that movie also bugs me. I think it makes sense that like Ron dresses the weirdest because he is a wizard, like a full-blooded, mm-hmm. he's grown up in the wizarding world. Harry just kind of dresses in like big clothes because that's all he's given. Um, yeah. And Hermione, I guess, would probably dresses like a mix between the two and i prefer like i think the movies mostly avoid the like timing issue and honestly the books do too it's not really important that they happen in the 90s um but i kind of think i sort of think it isn't more so now than it was when they came out i sort of sort of maybe not maybe not really but just like i think it's i think it's convenient not to to have you know ron's dad ask about shit like carburetors versus smartphones um, um well they also the nick cave song that uh they listened to in the movie it came out on two th- in 2004 so okay. that's another all that's right. another sign <laughs> yeah all right that's pretty wild then yeah was it a nick cave movie in harry potter nick cave song yeah or nick yeah nick cave song yeah that's in... pretty that's pretty egregious then that they say that harry's parents died in 1981 then that's wild that means Harry is 25 years old in, the, in, you know, in that movie. You know how they got that song uh, before it actually came out? Time Turner? Magic? Magic. Yeah, it was magic. Damn, that's a really good point. Mm-hmm. Okay, what else did you want to talk about, Kit? What else you got? Um, well, I wanted to see if you guys had heard about the miniseries about the making of The Godfather. Yeah, I have. No, I just saw a trailer heard. for it yesterday, and I, I want to watch it. I'm, I'm kind of interested. Watching the, yeah, I'm watching the Godfather's the Godfather movies right now. Um, I finished the first one, and then I'm almost done with the second one. And um, I have a new hot take, which is that I officially think the first Godfather is better than the second Godfather, but I okay. really like the second Godfather. But I've never, I've never had that feeling before. I've never <laughs> seen any Godfather, so I think it'd be funny to watch this show and not not having seen it. Also, Dan, Dan Harry Potter connection, Dan Fogler, Wait. of of uh, yeah. Fantastic Beeps uh, plays Coppola. Yeah, and it's a great casting. But mm-hmm. wh- how, we were just talking about The Godfather like a few weeks ago. You were talking about how you don't think Marlon Brando's good in the movie, but you haven't seen the movie. But everyone's seen most of the movie. <laughs> Get out of here. Get out of here. 
because I was watching. I one of the reasons I was like, I had just bought the box set, and then you had said that, and I was like, all right, I'm gonna watch The Godfather because maybe I'm crazy. Maybe, maybe I told kids you I haven't point. seen it because it's on my. Well, I don't remember It's that, on but, my list of like the right. Of okay, movies. I remember that yeah. now. I remember that now. Well, I I do want to. I did. Ha- I'll give you my God. My Marlon Brando Godfather thoughts now because I they're fresh. But I was thinking about it. Like I was like, is this performance bad? Is it? And I think it's just so different from all the other performances in the movie. But I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. I think it is extremely, I think his, he plays, his his performance is very like kind of larger than life. And it's very theatrical. Um, it's just, it's very much, much more of a character. But I think because he has so few scenes in the movie and because the entire movie He's kind like of Darth hinges. Vader. Kind of, yeah. It's kind of like a Darth Vader sort of thing. Um and then I think it's also really interesting contrasting him with Michael as mm-hmm. Michael progresses through his story. So I think I actually think I think his I think his performance is very I don't know how to say this like it's very like actory like it's it's almost exactly. like showing off. But there's a point. It's not just like Joker in my opinion. Um, and then I also think it's interesting watching the second one because I feel like you kind of see Robert De Niro become that character. I think he starts more of like a as more of like a Michael Michael at the beginning of The Godfather and then sort of becomes Vito as we know him. And then you're also contrasting that with Michael becoming like an even worse version of that. I don't know. Anyway, I think it's mm-hmm. it's a great series. Um, but I'm, yeah, I'm, expecting really to, I'm expecting to like those movies when I eventually watch them. I think you will. I think you will. Um. My other movie news is a cruise-related thing. Let's do it. Sounds like it's time for the cruise minute. Yeah. Where's our song? (laughs) Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise, Tom. Oh, wait, no. I'm supposed to do the... Dun, 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 dun. I'm supposed to do the siren, and then Andrew does the Tom Cruise. Okay, that was beautiful, you guys. Nailed Um, it. (laughs) So, somehow I had not heard about this, but apparently AMC is trying to replace The Walking Dead with an Anne Rice-averse. And they have the rights rights to Interview with a Vampire series and Witches of of Mayfair Witches or something like that. Um, And so, I mean, there's a teaser, baby. Really? That is cast. What's his name is cast? Brad Pitt. What? Uh, yeah. And um, I got to say, like, I will watch the shit out of this unless it is as scary as uh, Walking Dead. But they have, like, good, like, talent behind the scenes. Um, the guy they cast as Lestat is sufficiently hot. Um, let's see. Who are these people? <clears throat> Give me the it's names. A... I'm trying. <laughs> um. It's Estes Spalding. No, that's Mayfair Witcher. Which Mayfair Witches? It's like Masters of Sex people, I think. Um, mm, that lady. I love that show. Yeah, I heard that show's really good. So it's it's you know, stuff like that. And it's set in New Orleans. The te- here I'll I'll link you to the teaser. Cause it's very New Orleansy, and we have to go back. Of course, we always have to go back. Um, Ooh. and that's our oh, friend. Yeah. There's our there's our old friend. Who? Lestat, baby. Oh, wild! There he is. Look at that trench coat. I mean, it looks exactly like Tom Cruise from behind. 
like from that movie. <laughs> what if he um, turned around and it was Tom Cruise? What would you it would do? be fucking awesome. Can you imagine getting to see Tom Cruise in a And then the guy who plays Louis is from Game of Bones or whatever, like, you know. Okay. Okay. Of course. That's it. That's the teaser. That's it. That's, yeah, that was a whole lot of nothing. But that's great. Oh. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, they sure didn't do the Walking Dead any favors, so I don't know how I know. this is going to go. But it seems but, uh... pretty genius. I mean, that's quite a get, I think, the Anne Rice catalog. And it is very, actually very suited to a series rather than, you know, like it actually makes sense. Um, yeah. And I'm down. I think we're in a goth renaissance, so. A gothissance? Yeah. So a, a gothissance. So this could be good. that's great thank you for drawing my attention to that oh and sam reed is the guy who plays lestat and he uh is handsome so that's great he's got that going for him i love handsome men well i got some cruise news and i think it's kind of bad uh-oh uh-oh seems that tom cruise is one of the uh People who's like promoting or hosting or somehow be like running Queen Elizabeth's platinum jubilee. What? Is that bad? Yeah, I'm trying to see. I don't know what that is. Is that her birthday? Yeah. Yeah, it's like a celebration. Well, he's he's in London all the time now. I think he lives there. Yeah. Or at least he has for. But it's a really strange time to be getting in bed with the royal family. <laughs> Maybe he has to. Like because of know the Prince I mean? Andrew stuff? Yeah, and I think just I think I think the Prince Andrew stuff, the <laughs> fact that well the Queen is like basically done, like stepping okay. back from duties. Um uh the Cambridges just had like a disastrous uh international tour. And then Meghan and Harry continue to, you know, twist the knife, I think. Um, So, yeah, I mean, getting involved with the royal family is just a bad move at any time. But like for an American dude who's so protective of his, uh, so picky, it's odd. Here's my theory. I think it has something to do with, and I think this is a fair theory. I think it has something to do with movies. I, I can only assume because here's the thing, because he, I remember when, before they kicked off, I know you're laughing at me, but I've got more evidence. Um, <laughs> I just, <laughs> stop laughing uh, at me. This is a real, this is real, I'm about to, I'm talking about real I'm, stuff here, Mike. I'm not laughing because I think you're wrong. I just was like, the way you were like, I think this has got something to do with movies. <laughs> I know, I know. But, so, I remember when, I can't remember what movie it was, I think it was MI7, but like before they started shooting there, it could have been Rogue Nation even, but I remember... They were going to, um, he went and like flew to Saudi Arabia and like met with, you know, a bunch of fucking princes or some shit and did a bunch, you know, just did a bunch of publicity and stuff where it was basically to, to get permission to go shoot there. But it was like around the time that I don't know. I mean, the Saudis have always, are always, it's always around the time of the Saudis doing something terrible, right? Like. Horrible, horrible place. <laughs> and here's, you know, Tom Cruise, like, buddying up to them. Um, it may have been, like, when that journalist had, been, like, recently been, you know, murdered. Um, but, yeah. So, but I, what I'm saying is, and I don't think this excuses it or makes it okay to, like, hang out with, you know, horrible I'm not people, even saying it's okay. It's just, it's lame. <laughs> it's lame, but I think it's more like, 
tit for tat. He doesn't care. He doesn't care about anything but movies. Is what I'm saying. Listen to how fucking stupid this sounds. By the way. A theatrical arena event will include 1,300 performers and 500 horses and is made up of four acts, each overseen by a different event host, confirmed to be Tom Cruise, Damian Lewis, Ajoa Ando, and Alan Titch- Titchmarsh, respectively. The celebration <laughs> will take viewers on a ride through history from the reign of Queen Elizabeth I through to the coronation of Queen Elizabeth II, culminating in a grand finale. Helen Mirren, who won an Oscar playing Queen Elizabeth II in The Queen, will take on the role of Queen Elizabeth I, while a cast of Queen's players, that's capitalized, will be introduced by a character called the Herald. Come on. I don't, this is this British is panto bullshit. Like, <laughs> no one... Ugh. I mean, I unless like it's like, honestly, I would be this. happier if he was like, I'm directing one of them. Like, then I'd be sort of interested. But like, Tom Cruise should not host anything. Like, that's not See, a good idea. No, for sure. <laughs> but what I'm saying is I think, because he shoots so much stuff over there, Yeah. is I think this is like a, you know, yeah. you, you want your tax breaks and shit to continue. You got to come yeah. to this party. And that doesn't mean that like, I just, I just don't think Tom Cruise thinks about these people at all in any other regard. I don't think he thinks they're cool. I don't think he thinks they're uncool, even though they are uncool, which is uncool on his part. Um, but I think I think he's just like, okay, someone told me I have to go to this thing, so I'm going to go to it. And then yeah. I get to keep making, you know, whatever movie I want. And that's my theory, like, with the Saudis, too. Is yeah, like, I mean... He, did, he doesn't care that that dude got slaughtered. He cared about getting his movie made counterpoint i also don't care about saudi arabia or england uh at least i care about movies more than i care about either of those backwater nations yes you care about movies more than you care about like coming out against whatever they do yeah like i don't even 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 if supporting the movie in some roundabout way somehow supports them you know in someone else's eyes like Saudi Arabia and England are less uh, relevant to my life. They're less significant things than even like a movie like Monster Trucks or something like that. Oh, by thought. <laughs> I mean Monster Trucks. I, yes, I don't think about them. I know that That's like, like the your Saudis like movie. think they're hot shit. Yeah, the Monster Trucks is great, but like like England, Saudi Arabia, they think they're very cool. They think, you know, highly of they themselves. They think they're cool. That's I understand. True. There's a lot of people who are insignificant who think very highly of themselves. These are just nations that, you know, think highly of themselves. But that's why, but that is why it's like Tom Cruise, you are more powerful than the entire nation of, you know, England. Like, why would you do this? I mean, because he doesn't, like, why would he follow what England's doing or like what the monarchy's up to? It's like, you know, he's probably just like, sure, it's a paycheck and I keep getting, you know, to film movies there. So it works for him. So. Anyway, that's our cruise cruise news. Yeah. Well, I hope that doesn't backfire in some way onto him. I wouldn't think it would be too bad, really. I mean, like, is is there the, is there like that much of an anti Queen Elizabeth sentiment these days? Um, more than there has been in our lifetime after well since Diana died, probably. Okay, I guess I'm out of the loop. I'm pretty I, anti- I feel like they're hanging on Queen by Elizabeth. a thread, and when she dies. It's very possible that, which I'm sure is why they're doing this, which also makes yeah. it super lame to participate in. 
Yeah. Like, what did, can we show you, you how it, great queens have been through history? What do they do? They disband the royal family? Like, how do you... You know, Kit, that's pretty high talk for somebody who watches Drag Race. <laughs> <laughs> They're democratically like, elected queens. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I like that. That's a good idea. To hold some queen elections. But, like, yeah. really, like, what do you do? What do you do? Yeah, like, you disband become... it. You take... They lose their privileges. I mean, that's happened to the aristocracy over the past you know few centuries yeah you just here's what i think you do actually i think you take it away from them and you give it to some like average Me. people and turn it into a reality show yeah queen <laughs> queen queens i don't know whatever have like fran I, drescher move there and be queen and make a show about that or like all it. of us we get to move there and they film it big brother style and we're like living That's in how, Buckingham i can House. imagine nothing being a royal and then also having my every move filmed for a Big Brother style reality shows, those are like two different hells hellscapes combining. Yeah, but we get to hang out every day. That's true. But we could just do that without being queen or filming it. But we get to be rich if we're queen. Let's find another way to get rich. Okay. <laughs> Let's I feel like the only advantage to being royalty would be like people had to do what you say. But like for British people, but they don't anymore. That's the thing. Yeah, that's yeah, the they thing. They don't do anything. Are there any so. kings? Are there any ro- royal monarchs in the world left who have actual? Yeah, power I to think like, so. Who? Probably like a little bit. I'm not I mean, going to name Sweden one. Has a monarchy. <laughs> Doesn't Can, I mean I, like, actually the Saudis? I mean they have like yeah. a royal family. Oh, okay, and, that's true. Yeah, but, but like they, th- their monarchy is so confusing because they do they have like one? They have like a thousand princes. I feel like. <laughs> I feel like there's a yeah. bunch of princes. I don't know. The Saudis are interesting because, like, <laughs> they uh, they kind of have their finger like in a lot of pots, pies. I don't know what the expression is. Pots, pot, um, pot pies, pot pots. Pies. Yeah, <laughs> pot pies. They have their finger in a lot of pot pies, but you, you like you don't talk about them much. Like, and they own a lot of like media entity. Like, they have partial ownership of like a lot of media entities. Because anonymity companies. is true power. It truly, yeah, truly, yeah. Um, but uh, so, yeah, yeah, I think the Saudis have some kind of a monarchy. But but like I said before, I don't care about them like they, like they may have a lot of wealth and power. But like I care about movies so much more than I mm-hmm. care about um, like anything that a Saudi I mean, that's, but that's part of why this is annoying is that Tom Cruise as a avatar of my love for movies sure. is now entering into re- relations with the crown. And I right. don't approve. But what if they give him money and he uses it to go to space to make an action movie? That'd be All great. Right. Win-win, you know? Yeah. I do agree so, with that. Like, yeah. taking taking evil money and using it for good, you yeah. know, there's something there's something to be said about that. Right. Um, you know, yeah, and I think, yeah. But yeah, uh, I don't know. It's a, it's a weird thing, like, getting in bed with things that you supposedly don't care about, but then it, like, when it finds its way back into what you do care about, then it does kind of suck. Like, China, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like... You know, no one. It's easy. It's easy not to care about what you know. Ch- China investing in our movies until, you know, there's inexplicably some Chinese pop star who Which you is, can't recognize. Yeah, there was just a, I think Moonfall <laughs> or something had that. However, like yeah. like the gayer Disney gets, you know, it seems like that investment is not a sure. It's going away, which, yeah, 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 it is, it is definitely going away. I feel like we haven't seen, uh, you know, except for the recent, um, Fantastic Beast movie. I feel like it's been a while since I've heard of a movie, like, releasing a specific 
like it making news that they were releasing a specific Chinese cut of a movie. Mm-hmm. I'm sure oh, yeah. that happens every Can single time. Can you tell but... me like briefly what in that movie is gay? Like what did they cut? Dumbledore talking about how he was in love with Grindelwald. Okay. Okay. Just like them. They have a, the movie opens on a like De Niro and Pacino heat diner scene. Uh-huh. Cool. In, <laughs> and it's them, it's them talking about, you know, their relationship and, and Dumbledore proclaiming his love for Grindelwald. To Grindelwald. Yeah. He's like talking to him and he's okay. like, you know, why didn't we do this or why didn't we do that? Or he's like, well, okay. I was in love with you. And yeah, and it's Mads now, and so then, you can't really blame him. And then Dumbledore sp- spits on his dick and starts fucking through <laughs> the wall. <laughs> yeah, I've really enjoyed never seeing any of these movies, but maybe I'll just watch the third one. My God. <laughs> I can't and, imagine. I, I, I'd I be really I wa- lost. It'll be like you watching Harry Potter without having read the books. It, I think worse. <laughs> I, You know, it's funny. I, 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 I hadn't seen any of them since they came out and we i want i just read the books so i was like i well i have to go there's a new harry potter shit out the week after i finish harry potter i gotta go i have to go watch this so it means i have got to watch the other two and i watched the first one i remember thinking like and i was thinking like yeah this is not very good but it's like there's parts of it that i do like and everything else is shoehorned but like i can follow this movie and so like i came away like feeling kind of like yeah that was not a entire waste of time and then i watched the second one and it's like minute to minute i cannot follow yeah. or remember what has previously happened i've and watched like, a lot of video once. reviews because they are so funny to hear people talk about what the movie yeah. is about <laughs> no idea and it's like introducing things that are so important you know in the first movie Lita Lita lestrange is like this off-camera figure that is haunting newt scamander and in the second movie, she's introduced and then killed. You know what I mean? So it's like we built up a character for two movies and then she dies. And I don't know what it means. Um, this uh, Ezra Miller's character is like the entire first movie is about like the kind of mystery surrounding his character. And then the second movie, like the first two movies are about Grindelwald trying to get... Ezra Miller's character over to the the dark side or whatever mm-hmm. the fuck. And then he does. And then the entire third movie is about him being ill and dying. So it's just like, it's so clear. It's, it's that they don't know what they're going to do next, what they're doing currently, but then they also don't know how to make good on the importance of the the things they've spent so much time laboring over. It's honestly it's it's very star it's very Disney, it's very Star Wars, mm-hmm. it's very you know, Ray not knowing who she is, Ray finding out that she's a nobody. Oh wait, Ray's a somebody and then mm-hmm. the movie's over. But I don't so know just, what they're just, responding to really in this case. Yes. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And it's so it's it's just they need to take JK Rowling's power away too. It's um it's very, it's very weird seeing like the Catherine Watterson stuff is so weird to me because she is a huge character in the first two movies. And it's not like they pretend she's not around. Like they give, they give some bullshit line of why she's not there. And then they bring her back at the end. And it's like, why, if you wanted to write her out, write her out. Why write her out and then kind of write her back in? Anyway, I could talk about this for a long time. Yeah. 
They sound so baffling. It makes me want to see them, but I. It is really baffling. I don't know if you will be able to get through the second one. Yeah. I think it's also just, it's depressing as well. (laughs) So. I don't know. Is it, is it really depressing? Not really depressing, but I think part of why I I don't even, you know, because I love to watch a shitty turdtastic movie and the reason that I haven't delved into the to these is because I don't necessarily want to pile on the the reasons that like you know, the things that have come out after the books that have sort of tarnished the book. yeah but they yeah. have but they haven't but in, but in, but in reality they haven't really right exactly you know they haven't I mean? and I truly don't believe that they have but part of how yeah. I maintain that is like I don't care I'm just you not, don't you don't get I, I think I, that's fine I I think, <laughs> I think that's a uh I think in 2016 I probably would have argued I probably did argue with you more against this but just like as this has gotten worse and worse it's it's so it is it is a there are like many missed opportunities but by the time we're in this this third movie, I don't even know, truly, I don't even know who we're following. Mm-hmm. Are we following Dumbledore? Are we following Newt Scamander? Are we following Dan Fogler's character or all these other characters that they've mm-hmm. introduced in the last 15 minutes? I have no yeah. idea what or who these movies are about anymore. I think, I think as someone who was obviously a huge obsessive, like, you know, borderline, like, about to attend conventions level fan of the books it is a little disappointing now that it feels like most of this most of like harry potter and the zeitgeist is about the movies at this point i think you're right and i i and having just read the books i i have learned to adopt some of that (laughs) i do think that these movies are so um inconsequential wait Mm -hmm. Inconsequential, non-consequential, inconsequential. I think these movies basically. I think they're so, they're so nothing. They're lighter than air. I think uh, if you care at all about you know somebody doing justice by you know adapting some piece of Harry Potter in onto the big screen or uh-huh. or TV or whatever in the future, I don't think this has hurt that. No. Like I think the I think that I think the uh, there's there's still. So much possibility, I think, um, to do something interesting with this stuff. And I, if, ho- I if, hope I get to do it someday. And I hope that's and I how hope we you, I hope you do. I do too. I do too. But yeah, I just, I think these are, I think these will be forgotten. I think they'll just disappear. They'll disappear. Mm-hmm. I think completely. Because they're, they're, they're nothing. Yeah. Okay. Mark's going to kill us. All right, Mike. We can. For what? We can we can let's, stop let's talking about Fantastic Beasts and finish the series. <laughs> oh no, I'm I'm fine. The, I just really had to pee. I had a lot of tequila while we were talking, and so I was like, "Damn, dude, first. you're always getting." You know, I don't know if the audience is aware of this. You are always getting fucking drunk <laughs> while we're trying to freaking talk about movies. That's because we're I mean, talking so, about Fantastic Beasts, probably. Yeah, I yeah, I did not drink for Lent, so I had not been for the last several episodes. So you're making up for it. I'm, I had a lot of tequila. Tonight. That's what <laughs> that one is for. So, yeah. So, but yes, no. But you have, talk all you would like about Harry Potter and. Do you everything. have any? Do you have any? Do you have any Harry Potter takes? Any Fantastic Beast takes? Any movie takes or book takes? Uh, anything? Anything that's been pressing on you about Harry yeah. Potter? Yeah, I. Uh, I think Harry Potter. I think the books were very good, especially the first five. I. Um, I look forward to sharing them with my kid. Uh, yeah. or kids who knows um well it was really interesting 
it was definitely really interesting reading them uh outside of like the hype that you know surrounded them for yeah what 10 years or whatever while they were being written and reading them like one right after the other literally put one down pick up the next one it was it was it was kind of in a way it was like in some in some regards it was like oh this is not as good as i thought it was gonna be but in other ways it was like oh this i totally see why like uh, i totally see why this is what it is Mm -hmm. um I mean, Kit and I have been talking about it for the last month, but, you know, there are definitely, like, a few things that really, really frustrated me, but it only frustrated me because of how much I liked it. Um, but, yeah, I, yeah, I don't... Um... It was it was definitely really fun and extremely unusual, may probably never to repeat it, be repeated in our lifetime, to have so many people, you know, organizing their lives around the release of a freaking book like yeah. so many kids marking time according to a book coming out and going to parties and like that doesn't happen for books you know no, no. i feel like i feel like when did the last book come out what year 2007 <clears throat> i feel like 2000 the the end you know the end of their release tour or whatever probably is the point in which book stars started to fail in earnest you know <laughs> like more like the, the, mm-hmm. the more and more bookstores going out of yeah. business and it was yeah. extremely like going there was a big part of me that was like i kind of wish the nev- the seventh book would never come out like i'm desperate mm-hmm. to read it but i just <laughs> don't want it to be over it yeah. was definitely like a um like i loved the sixth book and i read it in like three days or something like that or four days and then i feel like the seventh book, like I took way more time with, mm-hmm. like I would like purposely put it down for a night or something because it's like, well, once this is over, what am I going <laughs> to do with my life? <laughs> going to go read The Cursed Child. I did buy it. It is on, it is on, I did, I did put it on my wife's side of the bookshelf so that no one would ever think it was mine. <laughs> <laughs> we could also, my friends did uh, like reading of it, like a table read of That'd The Cursed fun. Child. Yeah. It, it, like I, we were sound... supposed to do for the ref. I know. We're going to have yes. to do that next year. Mm-hmm. next christmas um i'm starving okay we can wrap this wrap up, it up. <laughs> There's a lot of material that has nothing to do with the movie so yeah i'm sobering up so we need to wrap this up so i can go get some more tequila <laughs> slow motion triple feature was recorded inside a docked ufo in agartha <laughs> i think is how you say it i don't know i've only ever read the word uh special thanks to our producer lee the man in the booth who makes us sound great if you'd like to contact us please do so at slowmotiontriple at gmail.com Yeah.